Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Good morning, church. Let's just open a prayer. Father, would you speak to us? Would you move in our hearts, Lord? We say, come, Holy Spirit, the most ancient of prayers. Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds for the joy before us, Lord, for the harvest to see it, Lord, that you would fill your people to be a witness in this community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if we have any fans out there of the so-called classic movie, uh, Sound of Music. Any Sound of Music fans out there? Okay. Good, good. I'm seeing some hands go around. Um, That's good. Uh, You know, uh, a few years ago, my wife, Beck, and I uh, were traveling around um, Europe, and uh, we made this deal that we could each pick one thing that the other person had to happily participate in. So uh, I made my selection to Normandy. We did this World War II uh, tour, which my wife happily participated in. And um, then my, uh, my wife, Beck, made her selection while we were traveling through um, this town called Salzburg in Austria. You see, she found this ad. And in this ad, it described this, uh, this special sightseeing bicycle tour of the Sound of Music, filmed in Salzburg, of course. And she assured me that it would be no big deal. This bicycle tour, this three-hour tour, uh, would, be, would be fine. Like, I could just, you know, they'd give me a mountain bike. I could go at the back, and it would be okay. And we arrived, and there was 20 happy ladies and me. And I I didn't get a mountain bike. I'm pretty sure I got Maria's actual bike from the film. And I got on this thing, and it bent into a U, and I looked like a gorilla at the circus. And it had this this basket at the front for my purse, of course. And it had a bell. And the bell was like a warning. Every time I'd hear the bell ring, soon another Sound of Music song was about to begin. And along this three-hour circus tour, I learned a lot about women who love the sound of music. And the first was this, act like you're having a great time or they will help you have a great time with further participation. (laughs) Secondly, women must train for this tour because they know of every line of every song every time without a beat. Thirdly, if you whisper... Even a few lines of any part of any songs, no matter how many times it was sung that day, it's like throwing petrol on fire. People spontaneously burst into song, and you cannot stop it till the end. And just as a little experiment, you can do this as a visiting speaker because you get to go home and leave it all to Pastor Paul. Um, As a little experiment, I wonder if I began to say, do, you would say... And I'll go, let's just see where this goes. Ray? That's good. Me? Far? Oh, this is giving me shivers. So? Oh, this is good. La? Oh, good. T? And that will bring us back. 
Oh, great. This is good. I need counseling, and there's a tour for you waiting in Salzburg, okay? Today, I'm talking about the power of an invitation. And I wonder how you might respond if someone were to ask you this question. Why is Jesus good news for us today? What good is the gospel? I was recently asked that question by a a rather talented musician who has nothing to do with the church, didn't grow up, doesn't know anything about Jesus. He said, why is the gospel good? And I said, well, let me put it in words that you might understand. This is a summary. I said, said, the gospel is like a love song that started long ago. The song is good. It's changing the world. It's bringing life wherever it goes. We are invited to join along that song any time We want to turn to Jesus. Jesus is leading the way. He's leading the chorus. Some know the words. Some are learning the words. And some are soon to hear it for the first time. But of course, this is more than a song. This is a historic reality of God stepping into history to transform the world forever. And we're all invited to sing, to play, to be a part of this good news. After the resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to share this good news. In Matthew 28, of course, the famously says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples. It's written in the imperative mood, which has a sense that, that it happens as we go about our everyday lives. Disciple-making along, along the classrooms that we attend, around the grocery stores, the neighbors we speak to, make disciples. And I think for many of us, this commissioning, this great commission, can be something that kind of makes us uneasy. Sometimes it becomes like background noise to our life. Some people get nervous about how would you even begin to have a faith conversation. Let's just leave it to those caffeinated extroverts in church, right? Let them do it. Let's just encourage them. But what if sharing Jesus was simply an invitation to come and see, to come and listen in to that song, to come with us to explore more deeply? Like a beggar telling another beggar where bread is found, where life is found, come and see. Do you know the power of an invitation? Just a few invitation stories. I, I know of a story here in Brisbane. I, I recently heard of it. It's an airline pilot named Adam. Adam uh, lost his job, of course, uh, during the pandemic when the flights all got shut down. And Adam suddenly found he couldn't pay his mortgage. And then his marriage fell apart with this pressure. And suddenly he's found on the streets of Brisbane. He's come from a pilot to on the streets. He's like, I don't know what to do. Somebody invited him to come explore faith through Alpha. And he did. He came to faith. He's getting his life back together. And and now every week he's in church and he's trying to tell other people about Jesus. But there's this joy and peace over him that is beyond any of his circumstance because he's found Jesus. 
That's the power of an invitation. Let me tell you another one. Cherie. I met Cherie about uh, eight months ago now. She lives in the Logan area. 20, oh, was a little, probably 10 years ago, Cherie was invited to an Alpha course while doing time in prison at a detention center. She said to me, I didn't even want to go to the Alpha. I, didn't, I, I got the invitation. I was like, what is this? I don't know what's going on, but what else am I going to do? Now, Cherie was doing time, like hard time, because she was leading different gangs and different organizations. She was like pretty high up in, in, that, in that sphere that she was in. And Cherie goes, well, I heard there was free food. And what else was I going to do? So she goes, week one, she kind of likes it. She goes back week two, week three, she comes to faith. Years now, now I meet her and Logan just recently, and she's actually now going into the detention centers, using Alpha and encouraging young people. They're coming to faith there and then helps them as they re-enter into life and they have a new life in Christ. So she's now a leader in the church all because of a simple invitation. I know story after story I can tell you. In fact, we're going to watch one at the end when I'm done speaking, just of, of a personal story. But this all began with an invitation. And how many know like, coming to faith is a process? There are steps along the way. It doesn't just suddenly happen for many people. There's a process. And how exciting that God has chosen us as his church to be a part of it. Say, I want you to be a part of my story. We each have a part to play. So many people searching for hope, especially in a season such as that we're living in, in this culture, in this day and age. And yet two-thirds of the Australian population report in the latest stats that they don't know anyone that normally goes to church. They wouldn't even know where to turn. When the lifeline numbers are breaking records because people are calling for hope, where do they go? We are living in the greatest season of evangelism in our generation. The harvest is ripe, as Jesus put it. People looking. Romans 10, 14 says, How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone has been sent to do it? Thank God that he has sent someone. It's us. Not that we've got it all figured out or our lives are neatly put together, but he's chosen us to be a witness in our community, in the everyday places of life. And as we pray along the process, God will bring to attention those people that are in our lives. We might not think, like last week I was at, preaching at Sunnybank Baptist. I talked to a lady named Cora Lee. She said, I asked this lady Last year, did she want to come to Alpha with me? She said, I have, she, said she was spiritual but not religious. She, had, she said, I didn't think she had a chance of coming along. Well, she did. She said, yeah, I like that. And she came to faith. You'd be surprised at how many people are in your life right now that say, yeah, I'm looking for a hope beyond what I see. When we each come to faith through a relationship, many of us are sitting here today because someone as a young person, when we, were, we grew up in the church, but as a young person, somebody invited us to church. It might have been a parent that just brought us along. It might have been a neighbor, a grandparent. But we come to faith through relationships, through people we trust. Some of us are here because um, maybe as an adult, someone invited us to come to church or to hear more or they spoke into your life. But there were trusted relationships along that way. Or maybe we're sitting here because someone invited us. We're not even sure why we're here this morning. But someone we trusted or care about said, hey, would you like to come and see 
Would you like to come and see? William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service that one person can render another. And it happens in the context of these trusted everyday relationships. Three things I always find encouraging when I go to invite somebody is this. The first is this. God is already on the go. God is already at work in the life of that person near us. The second thing is that it's the spirit that is the lead evangelist. It's not us, truly. It's not a pastor. It's not a track. It's not a book. It's not even alpha. It's the spirit that leads people to Christ. It's only the spirit that opens people's eyes to see Jesus for who he really is and why he is truly good news. And thirdly, we each have a role to play, however small it might seem. We each have a part. I love how Daryl Johnson defines evangelism. He says, evangelism is like this. We are entering a conversation the Spirit is already having with somebody. We are inviting people to come and see, to listen more deeply into the good plans that God has in their life. It starts with invitation. Jesus invites his disciples, come follow me. The disciples often then say, come and see, come and meet this Jesus. I mean, invitations have this, this power to transform destiny. Most marriages started by way of invitation. You know, they look, took one look at me and they thought, invitation. I'm going to invite them for coffee, for a walk, to this event, to Alpha, something. Invitation. So many adventures start with invitation. Amazing things. Now, not all of us are gifted preachers or speakers, but all of us have a part to play. And throughout the Bible, over and over again, you see three things happening. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. Just think about in that moment what was happening. Put yourself back in one of the, the disciples' situations. What it would have been like to be there as Jesus steps in the scene, announcing the good news of God's reign, saying, this is what it looks like. Can you imagine how exciting it would be? Suddenly, you've never seen this. I mean, think about just happening today, here and now. Like, blind seeing, the deaf hearing. Suddenly, there's food just multiplying. That doesn't happen. I mean, what's going on here? People with mental illness are suddenly restored and to right mind again. Families coming back together. And Jesus is announcing, this is what it looks like when my kingdom reigns. This is what I'm breaking into this world, here and now. And it starts when anyone turns to me and says, yes to my yes to them. Come follow me. He said, this is only a foretaste of the coming main event. Come and see. Come and see. I mean, what would we do? I, 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 we'd be like, let's assemble the greatest team you've ever thought of. Let's get it on social media. Let's start telling everybody about this. Let's get the best and the brightest to start sharing the word. We need the best. But what happens here? Jesus chooses everyday people. Everyday people. Listen how he selects his dream team. Matthew 4.18 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. How incredible. Jesus goes into this poor backwater town of Galilee, a place that was literally made fun of in the ancient world. They would say stuff like, can anything good come from there? This is the wrong side of town to make your team selection. And so right away we see something very important happening. This is not about what we can do for God, but celebrating what God has done for us. It's not about our skills and talents, but what he is doing in our lives when we say yes to him. Peter and Andrew were just fishermen. All the bright students in that day, you know, they would be sent off to to Bible school. They'd study the Torah. And then they would ask a rabbi, can I follow you? So here's this great reversal. Jesus goes to them into the poor backwater area and says, come and follow me. I'm picking you. Everyday people, follow me, and I'll teach you how to catch more than fish, he says. Let's catch people with this wonderful news of God's reign that we're invited to be a part of. How amazing that it was this same everyday people that went on to transform the world with this good news of Jesus. It says that when Peter is hauled into the courts in Acts 13, when the All the court is around when the people are going to hear, what is this message? Who are these people that are transforming all of the Roman Empire? It says, when the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus they had been with Jesus. And doesn't it say that surely he is with us even now today, that we are still in the presence of Christ by his spirit. We are with Jesus. And that's what qualifies us, everyday people. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. You know, you can't encounter Jesus for who he really is until we recognize our own need of a Savior. Until we realize that we have, are seeing problems in the news and in the world that are beyond our strength to fix. That we are experiencing trouble that are beyond our own strength to fix in our own lives. We've got problems beyond us. That's when we recognize Jesus for who he is. Do you know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is? The person who brought the most people to faith is? Jesus didn't choose somebody with their life neatly put together. You know, with their retirement fund all sorted out. Everything neat and tidy in their life. The answer is found in John 4. It's the woman at the well. Just think about how wild and how incredible it is that Jesus picked her. She brought her whole town with three words, come and see. Whole town for Jesus. Think about it for a moment. She's a woman. And women in this day and age were not well treated. 
At that time, their testimony in courts were not even accepted. They weren't considered to be reliable witnesses. Terribly treated. She's a Samaritan. And a Samaritan, as most of you probably know, they were considered like, they were called half-breeds, like half-breed dogs often. It's the wrong community, wrong gender, wrong place. Samaritan? It's the sixth hour. If you read the story, you discover it's the sixth hour. It's the middle of the day. That's the sixth hour. And here she is. She's alone at the well. Well, that's unusual because in that culture, the women would often go together in the morning. They collect the water for the day and then they would return home. Why is she out there in the middle of the day in this heat? She's probably an outcast. She's probably very lonely. And if you know the story, you read further, she's had five broken marriages. Five times rejected. Here she is, lonely, at this place. Imagine as a young girl, all the dreams that she would have had. You know, I want this for my life. I want that for my life. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have security. And now she's living with a man, probably because she needs that sort of security in that culture just to have a place to lay her head at night, just to find something to eat. And yet she encounters Jesus for who he is. Good news. He says, I'm offering more than just water. I'm going to offer you living water, something that's going to quench the thirst that you really have in life. How many of you know that we have a culture that is so thirsty for hope right now? And she's so excited When Jesus says, come follow me, she's so excited. She runs back to town saying this in John 4, 29. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows everything about me, all my past, all my mess-ups, all my mistakes, all my rejections. Could this be the Messiah? She doesn't really even know all the answers yet. But she wants to know more. And the town comes out and they make their way toward him. And the townspeople say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Greatest messenger of Christ in the gospel. A woman at the well. A whole town for Jesus. Can you hear it? God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. Not an absence of fear, that's not courage, but a willingness to keep going despite it. That there was something greater beyond their fear. Even the disciples, they locked themselves after Jesus is crucified away. It says, in fear. They didn't want to be next. They didn't want to be killed off. They were afraid and they were hiding from the authorities. But something entered through the locked door beyond any of their greatest fears, even death itself. It was a resurrected Savior, something that changed everything. And they were willing to give their lives for that. The good news in sharing it. What are we willing to give our lives for? God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. 
Let me finish with this story, and then we'll have a video after that. Albert McMakin. Albert was 24 years old, and he was a farmer. And Albert had recently come to faith in Jesus. He was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people, and he took them to hear more about Jesus. Now, there was this good-looking farmer's son who was a, Albert was especially keen to get along to this meeting, but this young man was hard to persuade. He was busy falling in and out of love with different girls. He didn't seem to be attracted to Christianity at all. Eventually, Albert managed to persuade his friend to come along, asking him to drive the truck to the meeting. And when they arrived, Albert's guest decided, well, I'll just go in. And he says he was spellbound and began to have thoughts he had never known before. And Albert's friend went back again, night after night, until one night he came forward and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And that man, the driver of the truck, was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. And as we know, since that time, Billy went on then to leave thousands across the world to Jesus, including many here in Australia. The Australian landscape was forever changed in the late 70s when Billy Graham came. And many of us, it's not a church I go to still where there hasn't been lives transformed by the ministry that Billy had in this area. And all became because of a friend like Albert who said, come and see. We cannot all be Billy Graham, but we can all be like his friend Albert. We can all invite our friends to come and see. Billy Graham himself said, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for the new generation. Do you know the power of an invitation? We're going to watch a video in just a moment here, but what the video doesn't tell you is something that I know in the background because I'm actually friends with the people in the story. There's a guy named Rod and a guy named Phil. They both are friends of mine and they both go to River Life Baptist Church. Phil and Rod are in part of this bicycle group and Phil was waiting for years to hear more about Jesus. He one day looks at Rod and says, you know, don't you care I mean, about your faith? Like, aren't you Christians supposed to, like, you know, be out there telling people about Jesus? Like, if it really matters to you, why don't you ever talk about the things that matter to you? You talk about everything else in life. Why, can you tell me more? And Rod was a bit embarrassed. And he said, well, why don't you come to Alpha with me and let's just see what happens. Now, that's the story, a part of the story I don't think you actually get in the video but we're going to watch that now. And while we do so, I just want you to maybe hold this in your hand or just have it in your mind. It's the praying for five friends and just be thinking about who you might say come and see to in your life. Who are those people that we can be praying for along the way as you enter in a new alpha season ahead. So let's watch that video now. My name's Phil King. I live in Brisbane in Queensland. I'm married. I have two adult children. How did I come to Alpha? 
I've been riding or cycling for some 10 to 15 years. In 2013, my oldest lad asked me if I'd like to join a group called Altitude. He'd been riding with them um, for a few weeks and really liked the people. And uh, I didn't really want to go, to be quite honest, because um, I heard that the Altitude crew were mainly Christians. Um, so I kind of resisted for a few weeks. And then um, one morning, uh, Matt got up and he said, come on, join me on a ride. And I thought, oh, why not? And so I kind of enjoyed the morning and then I started riding with him on a regular basis. I think back in, in 2015, uh, before coming to Christ, that it was probably close to being suicidal. Uh, I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was one of those things. And, uh, but I also felt that, um, you know, with my family that I couldn't let them down. I was still, you know, that would have been a very difficult thing to do. But there was also the thing that I probably could have just abandoned everything and left home and lived on the streets. It was that close. I was able to share that with, with these guys, which I wouldn't share with lots of other groups, but because of the relationship that we built with these guys and their character, I felt quite comfortable in doing that. From that conversation that, that evening, um, Rod rang me up and um, asked me to come to Alpha. If you have the opportunity to invite somebody to Alpha, I would, I would recommend you grab it and, and do it. There's, there's no easier way that I know of to walk people through into, into finding Jesus Christ as their saviour. So the night that I rolled up at Alpha, it was um, it took me by surprise. I hadn't really been to church, and and that's the thing too. Uh, you know, I've not been to church for at uh, that stage for some 40 years, and the first thing I noticed in there was that um, it was a very welcoming, very loving, and and they were engaged me and they asked me questions. We had the video, which I really enjoyed, and I went away and thought about that a lot um, the following week, and actually looked forward to the second session. And again, the questions, the video was really good. I really liked the, the topics and uh, they really sort of started to open my mind up to, to thinking about that through the week. By the, the third week, I was pretty much all in. Uh, I remember dri driving home that night and thinking, wow, this is probably the best thing I've ever done. My world was just collapsing around me. I'd lived in, internally relying on my own strength to live through the, the difficult times and I couldn't do that anymore. And now, now through Alpha, it's opened up that I can actually lean on, on Jesus and, and that now I go to church regularly, still mentored and, and through, through Rod and, and the other Christians I know. And yeah, it's been a great honour, a great privilege um, and absolute joy to see his life changed um, so radically and so quickly because within a few weeks I could see his life changing. Can you, can you um, not only was was he being convicted, but he was enjoying um, the freedom that Christianity was offering him and that God was offering him. Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you that you've placed us with a purpose into everyday relationships in our neighborhoods and family groups across universities and beyond. Like salt, like leaven, Father, may your word spread. May the good news be heard. Lord, would the power of your presence come. Come, Holy Spirit, empower your people that we would see this community and the lives around us transformed by the power of an invitation and the good news it means for all of us. 
Lord, may it be the beginning of a new harvest ahead. So I pray for the harvesters, as your word puts it. Lord, that you would equip and empower us, give us courage, us everyday people who have encountered you with courage to share, that we would hear story after story in the season ahead as lives are transformed by your good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.